Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Good morning, Kishwaukee Bible Church. It's good to be among you this morning. Been anticipating the beginning of our journey together. And it truly is uh, my privilege uh, for this season to be walking with you, uh, to be present, to see what God would do for his glory as he, he shapes this body more and more into the image of Christ and, and gives you direction for this uh, next season of ministry and of faithfulness where exactly where he has planted you. I'm always nervous about the mic on the first time. Am I good with the mic and everything? Okay, thank you. They took care of it, but you know how that goes. Let's, let's go to our God in prayer as we begin to turn our attention toward his word. God, we thank you for your word. We come to it with great anticipation on this Lord's Day morning. Each Lord's Day is the beginning of a new week, and it's also the end of, an, of the previous week. And God, as we think back about the previous week, We think of a week that has been filled with turmoil, with tragedy. God, we've seen the pain and the frustration in places like Minnesota and Louisiana and Dallas and, and other places. And, but there's also the hidden pain. There's also the front, the frustration that doesn't make the front page news or get posted on social media. And God, we come to you as your people gathered this morning and we say, Lord Jesus, to whom shall we turn? You. You, Lord Jesus, have the words of eternal life. And so, Holy Spirit, we do invite you to fill us today. We invite you to open our eyes to glorious things in the Word of God. We ask for eyes to see and ears to hear and, and hearts to respond that we might live faithfully as your people in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I do invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and <clears throat> in the interest of truth in advertising, uh, I had initially said that I was going to preach on verses 1 through 9, uh, but as, as the sermon was coming together, I just felt like there was so much there that I really wanted to do it in two sermons. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and really mainly at verse 2 this morning. Have you ever had a song stuck in your head? Yeah, you're all, obviously, everybody has had that. In fact, all it would do for, would be for me to suggest that the wheels on the bus go round and round. I'm sorry, I just did that, didn't I? And tomorrow morning on the way to work, you're going to be hearing that song going on in your head. Well, I had that phenomenon this week. 
And it all started about midweek. I was with uh, one of my kids in a public setting, and a song was playing in the background. Classic rock and roll song. And I feel that one of my responsibilities as a parent is to give my children a good rock and roll education, especially with classic rock, that they should understand and be aware of the sort of power groups of, of classic rock and roll. And so there was one of these songs playing by one of these groups, and I, I turned to one of my kids and said, as we listen to this song, who are you? Who, who? I really want to know, who are you? I know I'm not the special music for this morning. <laughs> I said, do you know which group that is? Do you know who it is? And this child didn't actually need my hint. They said, I think that's the who, Dad. And I said, you nailed it. You get an A for the day in Rock and Roll 101. And so ever since, I think that was Wednesday, that song's been, been flipping around in my head. Who are you? Who? Who? I really want to know. And the, the author of that song, the writer, I think it was, was Pete Townsend, he wasn't, he wasn't satisfied with just a surface answer. Who are you? Well, I'm Dave. No, no, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Mickey's spouse. No, 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 who are you? Well, I'm the son of Stan and, and Joe. No, I really want to know. At your core... Who are you? Well, friends, that question, which is incredibly important for each of us individually to answer, who at, at your core, who are you, is also a question for a local church. It's also a question for an expression of the body of Christ. It's a question for Kishwaukee Bible Church this morning. KBC, who are you? Who are you? At the core, who are you as a church, as a local expression of the body of Christ? Well, I'm so glad that this morning we're beginning our journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. Because 1 Corinthians is a wonderful book to begin to answer that question for a local church, who are you? Because in it, the Apostle Paul uh, covers so many things that have to do with, with life in the church and, and how we live out our identity. You know, Paul had, had planted, he had established the church in the city of Corinth on his second missionary journey. He had arrived in town after a bit of a, a disappointing time in the city of Athens, and he began to preach the gospel. He was a, he was a church-planting, preaching mission, missionary. And he didn't just preach the gospel and sort of gather a group and then head on to the next town. He, he gathered a group of those who responded in faith to the gospel, and then he gathered them into a local church. And in Corinth, he spent about 18 months establishing that church. And then he went back to home base in Antioch, and he began on what we call his third missionary journey. And during that time, he spent three years in the city of Ephesus. And it was while he was in Ephesus, a couple years after having left Corinth, that he wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. In fact, he wrote four letters to that church, two that end up in our Bible as 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And the one that we're going to begin to look at this morning, 1 Corinthians, is the second letter that he actually wrote uh, to this church. And he wrote it for a couple of reasons. 
Uh, one was they had written him a letter, and they had a bunch of questions about stuff, stuff about life within the church. And based on their questions, Paul was fairly concerned. And then he got some re reports from people back at Corinth. And he was hearing things that were going on in the churches, things like immorality, things like, like divisions in factions and in choosing sides. And then Paul was very concerned. And so he wrote this, this longer letter to the church at Corinth to give them direction about what it meant for them to live out their identity as a church. And in God's providence, that, that book has made it into our, our scriptures. And it is not just a, church, a, a book for the church at Corinth. It's a book for all local churches. I love what pastor and theologian Gordon Fee says about the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, perhaps the single greatest contribution of this letter to the Christian faith is Paul's understanding of the nature of the church especially in its local expression. Now get this. If the gospel itself is at stake in the Corinthians' theology and behavior, and we're going to find out that it is as we go along, if that's at stake, so also is the visible expression of the gospel lived out in the local community of God's redeemed people. And the net result for us is more teaching on the church than in any of Paul's letters. And so this morning, let's dive in to the book of 1 Corinthians, asking the question of ourselves as a local church, who are we? Who are you, KBC? Let me read again those first verse, three verses that Jeff read for us just a few moments ago. Hear God's word again. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. We know right away that this is the apostle Paul who is writing this. And I'm not going to get into it uh, this morning, but the fact that he identifies himself as someone who is called by the will of God is going to be helpful later on because Paul is going to have to set these folks straight on a few matters. And it's going to be really important that, that they understand that what he's saying, he's not just making up as he goes along. He's coming, coming with the authority of Jesus Christ who has called him to be an apostle and has called him to be a, a leader in the church. And he says he's writing with his brother Sosthenes, who may be the Sosthenes uh, that we read about in Acts 18, which is where, as you guys have studied recently through the book of Acts, where the, the church at Corinth was established, there was a synagogue ruler named Sosthenes, so it's very well that it's the same individual. But believe it or not, the name Sosthenes is actually common enough in that day and age that it, there were a lot of Sosthenes, just like there's a lot of Jeffs around here. Uh, there's a lot of Sosthenes running around the church at Corinth, and it may have been a different one. At any rate, he was with Paul in Ephesus when he wrote this letter and may very well have been the hand that wrote it down and sent it to the church at Corinth. And then here's the verse that I really want us to dive into this morning, verse 2. Paul writes, he identifies himself, Apostle Paul, by the will of God, and I'm writing to you, local church, to the church of God that is at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, 
together with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What defines us as disciples? What defines us as followers of Jesus Christ? And more specifically, what ought to define this local expression of the body of Christ? I see three realities this morning in this text, particularly in verse 2. Three realities that, that point to the source of our, our identity. And they all are, are gathered around words in verse 2 that have to do with, with call or calling. And the first call word is probably not real evident um, unless you happen to know a, a little bit of Greek or, or the background of words here. It's in the beginning of verse 2, the church of God that is, that is in Corinth to those sanctified in, in Christ Jesus, to the church of God. Now, now that word church literally means in the original language, those who have been called out, the called out ones, or the assembly. And in everyday first century Greco-Roman culture, uh, the citizens of the town were, were, were called into the public square to assemble as one body politic for the purpose of conducting town business. And now Paul and other New Testament writers uh, give this term, the, the called out ones, unique Christian meaning by attaching a word at the end of it. Did you notice what our text says after it says the church? It's the church of God. It's the church of God. These are, these are God's called out ones. This is God's assembly. This is the assembly of God. Sort of makes you jealous for the assembly of God denomination because they actually, I think, got the best name for their churches because it's, it's very biblical. Each local expression, each church is, is an assembly of God. Well, Paul, other New Testament writers capitalize on this, this Greek word ekklesia, uh, the called out ones, but they, they actually had help from the rabbis before them who had translated the, the Old Testament. Remember, that was written into Hebrew. Generations before, the Old Testament had been translated into Greek, the language that the New Testament was written in. And that, that translation is called the Septuagint. And in biblical studies, understanding, looking at words in the Septuagint is, is helpful in New Testament studies uh, sometimes to, to, to understand words. And the rabbis who had translated the Old Testament into Greek had already used this word, this assembly word, to, destry, to describe the people of Israel. The, the gathered congregation of Israel that we read about in, God's, in the Old Testament, God's Old Testament, his Old Covenant people. And so just as the nation of Israel was uniquely set apart from all the other nations and peoples of the world to be God's very own people, his, his treasured possession, the object of his redeeming love, so now people from, from all nations, all people groups who look in faith to God's Son, Jesus Christ, are called out of the world, out from their former allegiances, to be God's new people, to be God's new covenant people. And now here we notice that Paul further defines 
those called out, as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. That is, those who have been set apart. We see that, see that sanctify, that sanctus word. We think, we think immediately of, of holiness, but it also means in biblical terms to be, to be set apart, to be holy. And I think that's the emphasis here when it says those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, those who have been set apart in Jesus, those who have been set apart through what Jesus has done. And so we're reminded that, that all of us, every human being is born in rebellion against our creator. We are born members of a world system that is anti-God and pro me myself, and I. But when God calls a person out of that allegiance to this world and, and, and into relationship with his son, he does so because he has already uniquely set them apart to be his own. And so we notice this first reality that determines our identity this morning. <clears throat> that we are called out of the world system, called out of our former allegiances, and called to belong uniquely to God. We're building a definition of what it means to, to be God's people. What is our identity? We are called out of the world to uniquely belong to God. Now, I, I used that word uniquely, and then I did have some second thoughts about it. Um, I'm getting to know Jeff Johnson really well. I really like him. Uh, we were hanging out in the church office on Friday. And I, but I have a feeling if I would have said to Jeff, hey, Jeff, you're really a unique guy. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure he would have taken it all that well. Unique? What do, what do you mean I'm unique? I'm not so sure about that. And yet in the scriptures, God talks about his people being even a peculiar people. His treasured possession set apart from, from all other peoples of the world. KBC, you have been called out from your former allegiances, from the systems of this world, to live in the midst of a broken world, specifically this town, specifically this county, to live as an alternative community as a local expression of God's kingdom people, as a foretaste of the values of the new heaven and earth. I like how Jeff put it this week uh, to me, that, that God's people are the preview. We are the trailer for the movie, that, that the movie is the kingdom of God, the redeemed people, the renewed heavens and earth. We are the trailer. We are the preview. And unlike a lot of movie trailers, <laughs> the real thing, the actual movie is a whole lot better than the trailer. Amen? <laughs> and what an amazing opportunity is before you to dream up new and creative ways for this assembly of the living God to declare and to demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ among your local community. It's a result of being God's called out people. The second reality this morning that points to the source of our identity comes from a second call word in verse 2. This one's much more obvious. 
The Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth, and he says to us and every other local church, you are called to be saints. Called to be saints. How, how do you feel about that? Called to be saints. You might be saying, well now, I thought saints were like super spiritual people who have churches and schools and cities named after them. <laughs> Not sure I qualify for that. I can understand why you would think that or why people would think that. Certainly the term saint gets used that way often. But in the Bible, saint, which, which literally means holy one. Here we have this theme of, of holiness again. Saint is simply a Christian. A saint is... Every disciple, every disciple is a saint. Every follower of Jesus. All God's people are saints. We are holy ones. As we've already observed, we've, we've been set apart. But at the same time that we've been set apart or sanctified, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are being sanctified. God is working out actual holiness in our lives in real time. He's giving us a greater and greater desire to be and to live morally pure lives among this world. In the Old Testament, God told his people, be holy, for I am holy. That's the whole theme of the book of Leviticus. And he referred to them as a holy nation. And so now here, God calls his new covenant people to live distinctly holy lives. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit to empower us to begin to live that out, displaying the fruits of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Evidences of God's grace among us. Evidence of the transforming work that he's done, not just in you and me individually, but in us corporately. And so this, the second reality that determines our identity is that we are called to be holy by God. Called by God to be holy. We're called out of the world to belong uniquely to God, and we're called to be holy by God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you, you might want to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I love this text because like the one we're looking at, it, it points to our identity, who we are as God's redeemed people. And it's amazing what the Apostle Peter does here because he takes all of these terms that God applied to his Old Testament people, Israel, and he applies it to his, his New Testament people, the Church of Jesus Christ. He says, but you, in contrast to the rest of the world, by God's grace, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. That's that peculiar people idea. For what reason? So that you can just sit back and enjoy it? No, not just that. 
but that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, what our dark and dying world needs is the light and the salt of our holiness, of a holy people. And growing in holiness is a gospel opportunity. It's not an opportunity to, to, to tell the world, hey, we have better ethics than you do. Hey, we, we practice sexuality the right way. Hey, we handle our money the way it should be handled. Hey, we're not into materialism like you all are. That's not the point. The point is to live that out among, among the world, among our community, being salt and light, bringing light to the conversation, bringing salt that preserves and seasons our community. It's a gospel opportunity because as we live these lives out among those who, who don't know Christ, questions are going to come up. They're going to ask us, what, what is the source of this hope that you have that lies within you? And so God's people at KBC, what an opportunity lies before us to enjoy the beauty of God's holiness as we are transformed more and more into the image of Christ, reflecting his glory to this world. There's a third and, and final reality that we'll look at this morning that points to the source of identity. It's the third call word in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2. We're called to be saints together, together with all of those in every place who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and our Lord those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here the Apostle Paul, writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit, provides us with as straightforward, and I think as unambiguous a definition of what it means to be a Christian as there could be. A Christian is a person who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian is a person who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that idea of call, there is the idea of, of, of worship. I call, I, I worship you. But there's also the idea of, of calling. I depend, I depend on, I look for resource, I, I appeal to. And isn't that what salvation is? <laughs> Crying out to God saying, help, I need you. I'm broken. I need you. And note that we call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That always used to confuse me, especially as a kid. The name, calling on the name. Are we just saying the name of Jesus? In the Bible, the whole idea of name is, is the person, him or herself. Their character, their, their essence, who they are. So to call on the name of Jesus is to call on Jesus. But more than that, it's, it's to call on everything that Jesus is for us as our Savior. 
And so a Christian is a person who, who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who has heard God's call saying, hey, turn from your sin. Turn from the rebellion in your heart. Turn from insisting on your own way. Recognize that you are utterly helpless and utterly hopeless without me. Admit that you have committed treason against your creator and look to Jesus as the only one who can pardon you. It's God's voice saying, calling us to call out to Jesus, to ask him to forgive me, to make me clean, to recognize that his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary was more than a sufficient payment to pay the penalty for all my sin and to look to him in faith. And so I ask you this morning, dear one, have you heard that call? Have you heard that call to turn from your sin, turn from self, turn from rebellion, and embrace Jesus Christ by faith? If you've never heard it, hear it today. His voice is calling out to you through his word today. Turn to him. Call on him. Repent of your sin and place your faith in him for salvation. And then you will be one who calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be a worshiper of the living God. And if you do, not only will you belong to the Lord Jesus, but, but you will also belong to his people. Because a Christian is also a person who has not only been united to Christ, but he or she is a person who has been united to God's people. This truth is all over our text. If you look again at verse 2, we are called to be saints together with all those in every place, not just the other churches in this community, but in every place. And I would say throughout time, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. This is what we call the, the, the doctrine of the church universal. That we think of the church as those who are in Christ Jesus, those who have been saved by him throughout all the ages, in all places around the world. Jeff prayed for the persecuted church. We are, we are in communion. We are in community with them because we've, we've all been united to Christ. And we all have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so even as Paul is speaking to a particular church, a, a local church, he is, he is connecting that church and connecting us to the larger church universal. And so we note this third reality that determines our identity. Who are we? We are those who are calling out to Jesus in communion with all, peop all people of God everywhere. This is part of our identity. We are those who are calling out to Jesus in communion with all people, all of, all of God's people everywhere. Last week, Jeff Johnson preached a very helpful message on the Great Commission from Matthew 28, reminding us that our marching orders come from King Jesus. And friends, that's not just an individual job description. 
Jesus calls us to make disciples by baptizing them into the name, into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's an identity, right? Jeff talked about that last week. And when we think about baptism and, and what, the, the, what the actual physical uh, sacrament of baptism symbolizes as someone gets wet and goes into the water, we, we remember that it symbolizes the cleansing that God does, cleansing us from our sin. Uh, but it, it also symbolizes our being enfolded into the body of Christ. So that when Jesus called us to make disciples and baptize them, baptize them he wasn't, he wasn't saying just get people wet. <laughs> he was saying enfold them, baptize them into the body of Christ. As you speak the gospel to them, as they respond in faith, they are immediately enfolded and baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Turning to Christ in repentance and faith enfolds a person into the body of Christ. And so the Great Commission, the mission that Jesus gave us, he gave to us as a local church body in communion with other believers everywhere and throughout the ages. We are the church. We are the called out ones. And the church is most clearly being the church when it is gathered together on mission for King Jesus. KBC, what an opportunity lies before you to, to reaffirm not only your dependence upon Christ, but also at the same time your dependence and your interdependence upon one another. Now, the church at Corinth, we're going to learn, had some pretty serious issues in this area. They had created a sort of pecking order within their church based on an individual's spiritual gift and whether that was really a valued gift or not. And in their pride, uh, they defined certain members of the church as more important than other members. And Paul, as we're going to read in chapter 12, had to set them straight, and he did that by giving them the analogy of the human body to show that the different parts of the body, were, even though they look different, and function differently, are all needed and all indispensable and all depend on one another. KBC, as you move toward the next chapter of your life together, how might you employ the gifts of this body that have been undervalued? How might those rise to the top? And how might you de-emphasize the gifts that may have been overemphasized? And how can we work so that all the gifts in this room are, are working together for the pursuit of your shared mission? How could we emphasize your we-ness? Not we as in Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but we as in us. We are called to be God's people together with all who call upon our Lord. Who are you, Kishwaukee Bible Church? God's word this morning is telling us who we are. We are those called out of the world 
to belong uniquely to God. We are those called to be holy by God. And we are those calling out to Jesus in community with the people of God. Do you see what's holding those three statements, which I think reflect, are reflected in the text? Do you see, see what's holding all of those three statements together? Do you see what their, their center is? To God, by God, of God. We are the ones who have been called out by God. We are the ones who, who, for whom God is calling to be holy. And yes, we do call out to Jesus, but we only call because he first called us. And what we're calling out is basically, help, I need you, God. You see, our identity is incredibly centered and focused on God. Our identity, Kishwaukee Bible Church, your identity is determined by God's saving activity. Who we are is determined by whose we are. Who we are has been determined by whose we are. Friends, that is the bottom line. That is the walk away this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Who we are is determined by whose we are. I think that last week, Jeff really set the table for this season in KBC's life by, by framing it in terms of mission. The mission of making disciples for Jesus who make disciples for Jesus has not changed. This season is all about pursuing Jesus' mission for us with renewed passion and renewed energy. But you can't pursue a mission if you don't know who you are. You can't pursue a mission if you don't know who you are. Just ask Jason Bourne. For all the excitement and adventure of the Bourne movies, and believe me, I love them. At the end of the day, Jason shoots a bunch of bad guys and blows a bunch of stuff up, but he still doesn't know who he is, and he's really not accomplishing any particular mission. However, for the Christian... And I'd say more accurately for the local church, God's word is crystal clear. Your identity is, is rooted in God's saving activity through Christ. You, this is who you are. You are his, his blood-bought bride. The one he loved all the way to the cross. You are the one church that he washes clean by the water of his word. You are the one that he will present radiant before the Father on that day. Church, that is who we are. Because that is whose we are. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're the children of God. We are no longer objects of his wrath. We are his treasured possession. Once we were not a people, now we are the people of God. And God is calling us to together pursue that mission of living out our identity. May we do it for his glory and for our eternal good. Amen.
Let's pray together. God, we worship you this morning. What, what an amazing, exalted identity we have. We were rebels. We were slaves to sin. We were children of wrath. And by your grace, because you sent Jesus... Because you opened our eyes to his beauty through the gospel, we now call you Father. What an exalted identity you have given your people. And God, you have not just done that for us individually, but as a body, as a church, as a local expression of the body of Christ, you have given us the identity of being his bride. Lord, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to live that out gladly, joyfully in this community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H Bible dot O-R-G.